It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the weekend edition. Painter Sharpless over there, Justin Ferguson right here. Hello, Painter. Howdy, howdy. So, Painter, we get to uh, wrap up Auburn basketball season. A, a weird, uh, a difficult 2020-2021 Auburn basketball season uh, for the fans listening and you know, especially for the coaches and the players. It's been a weird one and a tough one, but we get to end it on a positive note as Auburn beat uh, Mississippi State 78-71 Saturday to wrap up their season. Bruce Pearl gets his 600th career win. Um, the Tigers get to end the year on a positive note. And we'll get into a lot of the aspects from the game, but just kind of mentally, I think it feels a lot better for Auburn heading into what is going to be a long and important offseason, that you're going to go into it with a win instead of, you know, slumping to yet another loss. The records aren't great. Um, You know, there are a lot of different circumstances that led to that this season. But knowing that the last thing you did when you stepped onto the floor is get a win and, and and you know, a landmark win for your head coach, I think is going to be a, a lift for the rest of this team. What an absolute way to go out watching the 2021-2022 SEC champions get a win over Mississippi State. Couldn't be more excited <laughs> for them. So, I mean, there is so much to uh, to get into from this game because of what it means for the future. Well, I think we should start with um, the most obvious uh, point. Sharif I think Cooper's for this- excellent slipper game. Yes. Oh, you know, and he's been wearing those most of the season. Um, you know, when he's been sidelined, but yeah, man, the, the man has, uh, the man, the man's shoes are probably more than anything I've ever paid for any article of clothing ever. You're not on TikTok, um, are you? I'm not like people send them to me. I'm you can not. still watch them. It is the first piece of multimedia that I've not been a part of because it's just like, Hmm, you're too old, man. You're too old. Yeah. I feel too old for TikTok. But I feel like he'd have a good TikTok game. Don't know if he is on it, but. If anyone knows, let me know. Hmm. It's a good, it's a good point. I mean, he's in that age. He's in that age group. Yeah, he's in that age group for sure. So this Auburn team, I think the most obvious thing that points out from this game, this was a total team victory. It was much kind of like the Tennessee win a week earlier is that pretty much every starter came through for the Tigers. I think the only exception yesterday is, you know, Devin Cambridge did not shoot particularly well. Um, but, you know, he played really good defense and was out on the floor a lot. Uh, I think he ended up playing, you know, 34, 36 minutes, something like that. But, I mean, this was a game where Alan Flanagan decided to take over in the second half. We've seen him do that several times this season. He had 22. Uh, Jalen Williams had 18. Um, Jamal Johnson played another excellent game at point guard. Uh, had 14 and 7 uh, assists there. And JT Thor had a really strong start to the first half. Um, with with ten points and, and finished with ten points and nine boards, and it was this it's this team that we've seen this season is that you know when all the pieces pretty much are clicking for Auburn, they're they're really they're a really tough team to beat. You know, even if the competition isn't that great, as Mississippi State is 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 you know I think a team that's below Auburn this season uh, in the SEC, um, they they put it together when they really needed to. Uh, and and I think it was interesting to see all those pieces kind of work together in concert, especially on the offensive end, um, because they should only get better next year. You bring back, you know, of those guys that were on the floor on on Saturday, you expect pretty much all those guys to be back. Um, and then you add Jabari Smith, and then you add Trey Alexander, and you could um, bring back Sharif Cooper. Um, I think it's you know I think it, I can think it could go either way still. And then Justin Powell um, is you know, hopefully going to be back to, to, to full speed here very soon off of that off that uh, uh, that concussion that he had. Alston Ivy, friend of the newsletter, said it, Warpath the next season. You wrote about it in the observations. They've got an extended offseason given the circumstances of not playing in the tournament, the self-imposed ban, whatever. This is now all about next season. And something that mm-hmm. you mentioned, I think you and Joshua Talley talked about, it was an exciting thought, that lineup that includes JT Thor playing on the wing, do we want to elaborate yeah. on that, or do you want to wait to talk about that? Because reading that lineup, hard not to get excited about this team. I mean, a lot of what we've yeah. talked about over the last year is look at the teams at the top of either the conference or the country 
they've got what a, a blend of experience and talent. Well, Auburn clearly will have that to match just about anyone next season. So really, it's about finding whatever lineup, and this is true every year, but I think Auburn's going to have a particularly interesting challenge given how much talent Bruce Pearl and his staff have brought in next year of finding the right mixture of lineups. There, there are going to be at least one or two starter quality guys who are not going to start next season. And yeah, that's, yeah. and that's, and that's, uh, that's a difficult challenge, but yeah, it came from the thought process. Cause I mean, Thor did a really good job yesterday of, of attacking off the bounce, um, driving, you know, he had that big, he had that big poster dunk in the, in the first half, uh, that looked really, really good. He had a three, um, he was rebounding the ball really well uh, as well. What we were talking and we were like, you know, the, the big, the big question, you know, for next season has been, between Jalen Williams and JT Thor and Jabari Smith, somebody has to not start. If you play those guys at the four and the five next year, somebody's got to not. Somebody's not going to start. Who is it going to be? And I mean, it was. It, this isn't a thing that I say that that's what the starting lineup was going to be. We just threw it out there as a possibility. Hey, what if Thor just became a three? Now he's most likely going to stay as a four uh, in this system, and which will make it interesting to see what Jabari Smith does. It was like, hey, what if you played Thor, Smith, and Williams all together? Because Thor is a potential NBA, I think, lottery pick if he continues to develop. Jalen Williams is one of your most experienced players and one of your best players uh, in terms of what he does for you on both ends of the floor. And even though he isn't, you know, an NBA body at this point, he's a really, really good college basketball player who has a great future ahead of him still, I think. And then Jabari Smith is, you know, the best player you've ever signed. Um, and then I just kind of filled it out from there. Alan Flanagan would probably sl- slip down to the two, which created a firestorm that I wasn't even expecting. Um, and then whoever would start at the point guard. You know, the people who were upset or uh, you range, they ranged from, you know, curious to just flat out upset and, you know, okay, you don't follow me on Twitter. I'm not going to engage with you too much um <laughs> we're asking about justin powell and i was like look man I, there's a real good chance that justin powell starts next season i mean he I, that wouldn't surprise me at all if he makes full recovery but there was the argument that you know oh he's better than alan flanagan i was like I, there's based on what factors um but you know i, I don't want to pick like out. i mean his sample size is small right and you his sample out size is small the competition for which most of that sample came against before his injury in SEC play, he had, he had had a he had, had a rough time. He had had a rough time. His percentages weren't good, and you know he had that injury. I'm sure he could have played better, you know, if he would have stayed healthy. I'm sure playing with Sharif Cooper would have made a, a huge difference as well. I'm not denying any of those things, um, but I'm also th- thinking that you know I don't want to pit guys against each other and say, oh, this dude's clearly better than the other one. I don't. I, I'm not interested in doing any of that. Um, what I will say though is is that Alan Flanagan. While there was discussions about like, yeah, man, they, you know, these guys are clearly better than Alan Flanagan. And meanwhile, Alan Flanagan during the second half, you know, takes over for stretches and plays an excellent game. I mean, he had 22 points, four boards, two assists, zero turnovers in this game. He played all 20 minutes of the second half. He's a really good. He's a really good basketball player. And I keep getting people who are like, why, you know, why are you so high on Alan Flanagan? We don't think he's, you know, that good, or you know, we're not. We don't think he's as good. I was like. I don't know what to tell you, man. Do you think it's just an internal thing where there has to be a scapegoat? Because I think that there are Auburn fans that like Flanagan but still undervalue him. And that's an interesting case to me because I think that in a lot of people's heads, they realize Flanagan has some great strengths, but they've watched him as the point guard in some games where Powell and Sharif were out. And so they've decided, well, you know, these weaknesses are whatever. It's an interesting case to me because I see sometimes fans – pooping on him and at the same time like acknowledging that he's got some great parts of his game there have obviously been a few fans that we've laughed at that said he's not particularly good which has been proven untrue time and again this season and it's like yeah I get it this didn't go the way you wanted and it's easy if you're just kind of watching the game that you see him turning the ball over getting out of control on some possessions to go all right that's that's a big part of the problem but like we tried to stress as much as possible without just being really annoying about it, that he mm-hmm. was the third option to play point guard this season. And the, my thing with Lane again is, is that look at, if you look at three of Auburn's four best wins of the season, 
which you know I would say would be the state game yesterday, Tennessee game, obviously in the Kentucky game, and Missouri would also count as well. Three of those four, all of them against Missouri, Alan Flanagan was the best player on the floor. Um, you know, scored in the 20s, um, played a really strong brand of basketball, um, getting to the getting to the basket, finishing in traffic, rebounding well. I also think it's easier for people to like brush across or brush aside the defensive thing because like for a lot of people, yeah. unless you see someone getting a lot of steals or getting a lot of blocks, someone like me anyway, it's sort of hard to recognize – who's playing really good defense because some of that stuff you just have to be knowledgeable about. And I think he, he does that. Right. And like, it's not always culminating in, in box score stats for him. Yeah. He had an excellent game yesterday. And again, I, I think if you have a starting lineup next season, Alan Flanagan is going to be in it. Um, I think that's uh, it, but again, it goes back to our original point, Thor Smith, Jalen Williams, who starts there, you know, who, who are the two that start at that spot? Do you put Justin Powell back in at the two? You know, the one, the interesting thing there is that I think if Sharif Cooper is gone next season, Auburn tries to get a transfer point guard. They try to get somebody, a true point guard to run the show because of how much they needed one this past season. And it, you know, it really hurt them. Uh, Not only did it hurt them overall, but like having to play guys out of position like Flanagan, like Powell, that's not what the team is going to be moving forward. Um, You want to put the best version out there. You get a point guard. And speaking of point guard, Jamal Johnson, get ready to see this dude play point guard next season. Uh, maybe not as a starter, but he's going to play some point guard for Auburn next season because he has been a steady hand. And I think if Bruce Pearl could wind it back and do some things differently this season, especially in the SEC season, I think he would have had Jamal Johnson to point guard earlier. This is a guy who is taking care of the ball all year long um, at a really, really high rate. He's steady. You know, he is not Sharif Cooper. He's not Jared Harper. He is not going to you know, break somebody's ankles and go to the rack a ton. He's not going to be a guy who shoots from, you know, 40 feet out and, and, and hits. He's not going to be a elite scorer. But, like, if you ask him to say, hey, be the veteran, be the steady hand, help us win this, help us win these basketball games, don't make a ton of mistakes, he's got it. And he played a great game uh, yesterday. He played a great game against Tennessee a week, uh, a week earlier. Now, Alabama, they struggled, and pretty much the entire team tr- struggled at – turning the ball over you but this is again, a top again, five defense in terms of efficiency right. so you don't want to brush it aside and as you said the entire offense just didn't do enough to protect the ball that wasn't just Jamal in that game but yeah it was ugly and you know they got the opposite of that against Mississippi State yeah only nine turnovers second fewest all season the fewest they had in any game this season was against uh, Texas Southern which is eight so this is the best effort they had against I mean this is the best effort they had against an SEC opponent and, and and Jamal Johnson did a lot of that. I mean, he played he played 38 minutes in this game. They could not afford to have him off the floor. And much like Flanagan playing the full 20 in the second half, it's just, hey, let these guys ride it out because they're your leaders. Yeah, there's a statement that Pearl made earlier in the season. We're looking for the cream to rise at the top. We talked about this in the past. Like, can the starters separate themselves? Who's going to be our leaders? And this is when they were trying to figure out what the best – fit in at point guard was when Shreve Cooper was out. It was like, you know, Jamal Johnson or, or Devin Cambridge, who's going to stand out there? How, you know, how are we going to fit all these, all these pieces in, in the front court? Look for the cream to rise to the, the top. That's what he had been saying all year. After the game, uh, Gianna Hahn at, at AL.com brought that quote back up to Bruce and said, I mean, when you look at, I think it was like over 80% of Auburn scoring these last few games have all been from their starters. And he said, yeah, I mean, these guys, he, the, Auburn got the separation they were looking for, and they didn't do it at full strength. You didn't have Sharif Cooper, and you didn't have Justin Powell, who would have figured into that picture if they were healthy. But having a guy like Jamal Johnson take it, take that in, while guys like Alan Flanagan stepped his game up in a big way this season, while Jalen Williams stepped his game up in a big way this season, while JT Thor flashed all that potential that he's got, when Devin Cambridge had some great games as well. Uh, he did not have a particularly good game shooting the ball against um, – against Mississippi State on Saturday, but Bruce called him earlier in the, uh, earlier in the week. He said they, he's my, he might have been our most consistent player in SEC play this year, and that's saying something because, Painter, what was Devin Cambridge known for last season? Just being awesome in spurts. Right. That was a big part of the conversation about him this season was how consistent can a guy be when every time you talked about him, and to some extent I think people were okay with it because he was a freshman last year. But it's like that guy would show up, blow up, and then you wouldn't hear from him again for a few games. 
Yeah, and so he got more consistent. I think Jamal Johnson switching over. Now, we'll see who this point guard is next season, if it's Sharif Cooper, if it's a transfer, if it's somebody else. I mean, I think Jamal Johnson figures into that because now you have a guy that you know that can steady the ship if you need to, and then it allows guys like Alan Flanagan to remain at the three. Maybe it allows guys like Justin Powell to stay at the two as well, and it makes it makes it a lot of fun. But, I mean, you even look at that backcourt next year. You know, we talked about how you're fitting all the pieces into the front court. I mean, I, the rotation is going to be absurd next season for Auburn because, you know, your biggest problem this year is you didn't really have a ton of guards, especially towards the end of the season. Well, now you, sh- you will most likely have a point guard of some kind, um, but then you have Powell, and then you have Cambridge and Johnson, who played well this year um, and, and started a lot of games for you. Then you have Trey Alexander, who is a very, very talented player. Then you have Chris Moore, who's having to play on the wing um, and, and giving you some giving you some good hustle minutes off the bench. That's going to be a challenge, too. Like, I mean, Auburn this season, especially towards the end of the year, with, with Powell and Cooper both hurt, they were down to a, a legitimate they, – they were down to a legitimate rotation of nine scholarship players. And they were down two from injury, and then they had one other um, – player in Turbo Jones leave and they had, they were a scholarship down to begin with next year. You could full, fill out that third, all that 13, you know, that, that, that thir- all 13 slots with really talented, really good players. And it's like, it's like the, th- the conversation yesterday, somebody's got to set somebody really, really good is going to have to come off the bench. And I don't know how you figure that one out. Cause it's going to be a challenge for this team, but it's, I think it's going to be a test of this culture. And Bruce, yeah, we saw it with Devin earlier in the year, right? Like, I don't think that's mm-hmm. going to be a problem. I'm guessing no. because I think two things are at play. We've already seen some players willing to take a step back and not be a starter, even though they play lots of minutes. And then, like you're getting at, I mean, this is a team with a, I think, very evident good culture that cares about one another. And if those guys, in my opinion, are smart. They're going, all right, next year's a championship contending type season. I may not be in the starting five, but I'm on the team. And probably playing playing good minutes, too, on top of that. This is what Pearl said about that after the game. Uh, I wanted to point out this was this was in response to the, to the question about the cream rising at the top. Uh, he said, I think one of the most important things is having a good locker room and having an environment where those kids are a family. They care about each other. They trust each other. They care about each other. So the cream rose to the top. Starters played more heavily. And let's face this, we also took a scholarship play only. We only had 12 guys on scholarship, had a couple guys hurt and didn't, and didn't play, and that roster got pretty thin. So the guys who had the opportunity stepped up and got better, and we finished on a high note. It's that culture. you know. It, it, it's a culture that I think we've, we've pointed to this whole season for Auburn basketball is that even though the results were not what they wanted to be, obviously, and all the – challenges that happened with injuries and the postseason ban and just the way things were going because of how young you were. You were the youngest team in major college basketball this season. They still fought with the exception of the LSU game this season. You could pretty much say in every game that Auburn played, they fought all the way to the end, right? Now, they might not have fought all 40 minutes like Pearl wanted them to, but they never really packed it in. Outside of that LSU game, they never really felt like they packed it in. And it got them two wins down the stretch of their last three. It got them into a spot where they were very competitive with both Florida in the second half and Alabama uh, in the second half during the during the final two weeks of the season. That culture has been so big for Auburn basketball. Now this culture is going to be put to the test again where it's like, as Pearl said, these guys want to win. They care about each other. It's a family. You, you know, that dynamic is going to be very big because somebody is going to fall out of the starting lineup next season. You would think with Jabari Smith coming into the picture and guys like Justin Powell possibly coming back into the fold at 100%. Culture is more fun to talk about after wins, but that doesn't mean that it's not still very critical in a year like this where you're building toward the future. I also want to say without derailing you too much, you might not be done with this point. Auburn's got a lot of three-point attempts, at least through part of that game. I don't know what they finished with. With Powell back, the Alexander edition, and Thor's willingness mm-hmm. to let it rip, I am excited to watch that brand of basketball because that was something that was a weakness for the team this year. They just couldn't consistently, as far as I'm aware, you may have some stat that disproves this, but I don't think they were a good three-point shooting team this year. 
they were okay. They weren't great. You know, they finished the season. They finished the season thirty-two percent from deep. Not good. Um, better than last season, I think. They were a better three-point shooting team than they were last season. Um, but they put a lot of attempts in the air uh, because they didn't have a really consistent inside scoring game. Um, you know, even with Jalen Williams coming on there down the stretch this season, um, they're going to have to rely a little bit more from the outside. You know, having Powell back would be huge because we saw in his, you know, rare catch-and-shoot opportunities, he, he's a dead eye. He's a dead eye. And, again, like, so it's when people are saying, you know, hey, he could be a starter next season. It's like, yeah, well, when I came up with this, when Josh and I were talking about the scenario about putting Thor at the three, which I don't think will happen, but it's a, it's a possibility to get all those good front court guys on the floor at the same time. You know, you expect Flanagan to start somewhere next season. But if Powell gets back to 100%, I mean, he's a weapon, and even if he might not start, that's a dude that you could at least bring on the bench, play play starter quality minutes, and just have him deliver. Because not only was he a good shooter uh, for Auburn, you know, he, he tailed off an SEC play right before his injury, but he rebounded the ball particularly well, as well, and you know was 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 very engaged on on the defensive end of the floor. He says you want to know how much he's going to be able to get back to full speed because uh, he missed a lot of time, and he missed a lot of time not only uh, physically, but also just like playing with these guys on the defensive end and kind of, you know, getting that experience that I think is – that experience is going to be so valuable for Thor next season, for um, for guys like uh, for guys like Dylan Cardwell um, and for the sophomores that, that are making the jump next year. That, I think, is, you know, something that, that he missed out on and you want to see how quickly he's able to, to, to make that jump. Uh, speaking of three-pointers – the shot of the season from Auburn did not come from a starter. <laughs> it came from one Dylan Cardwell, um, who uh, Auburn had, uh, I think it was four seconds left on the shot clock. They're down four uh, early in the second half. Throw it out to the top. Ball gets deflected by Mississippi State, trying to get it Allen Flanagan. Uh, Cardwell catches it, turns, and shoots it all in one fluid motion. And it was probably one of the prettiest-looking threes all season. The ball did not even think about touching the rim on the way down. It was a beautiful shot. Um, and Dylan Cardwell. Is he a 100% shooter from three? Yes. That was wow. his only attempt this season, and he knocked it down. And Pearl said earlier in the year, he said, hey, Dylan Cardwell's going to be able to develop a three-point shot. We just hadn't really seen it this season. <laughs> and he hit it. Um, big shot in the game. Uh, pretty funny shot considering the circumstances um i think auburn i don't think i don't think anybody who pull uh, anybody who watched him pull up with that shot thought he was going to hit it except for maybe dylan cardwell like i would have loved to 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 gotten in his head there he thought he was going to pull it jerry hennon on Twitter uh, said, I think it would have been more likely for him to hit a 60-footer heave than that <laughs> shot. Because not only – I mean, that's such a crazy degree of difficulty shot. Um, I said it kind of looked like a Kobe Bryant jumper because that, yeah. that turnaround on that catch, I mean, that is so hard to pull off. Uh, and he hit it. And, I mean, it, it, that's another one of those things where it's like as tough as this season has been for Auburn um, – there have been some fun moments. There's been some highlights. And so for in the final game of the season, a game that Auburn ends up winning on a high note, you know, people were talking about after the game just how, I mean, just how funny and how, I mean, really, as Jamal Johnson said, crucial that three-pointer was from Carwell. Right. I think Jamal pointed out, and I think you wrote about it, that Auburn had gone on a little bit of a drought. They were trailing at that point. And, mm -hmm. you know, you can call it luck. You can call it a gift from God. Whatever it was, it went in. <laughs> <laughs> and Auburn ends up, of course, winning the game. And, I, you know, that's not the only thing that made it happen, but it certainly gave Auburn a jolt. It did give Auburn a jolt. And uh, down the stretch, I think Auburn hit some really good shots and some tough shots. They got uh, be uh, much better looks. They were 5-10 from deep after halftime. They shot 57% from the field. Um, they were getting some good looks against a tough Mississippi State defense. So – that was a positive to see. Uh, Alan Flanagan had a an absolutely thunderous dunk uh, down the stretch. That's becoming more common, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's got it. I mean, there, there's a lot of people who kind of – you want to make the comparison from Flanagan to Okoro. Yes, I mean, Okoro's a cyborg when it comes to defense, 
And I think Flanagan's a better jump shooter at this point in his career than, than Okoro is. But, I mean, yeah, it's that drive downhill, I'm going to finish in traffic, that touch around the rim. Uh, and, and even, you know, other opportunities when you don't have to do it any, with touch and you can just you can just hammer it uh, in, in, in pretty uh, impactful fashion. Um, I think that's why you're going to see a lot of him next year. And uh, he, he ended up being one of Auburn's best players. He ended up being one of the more consistent scorers in the SEC. And, again, that shows how much this team has come this year on an individual basis because Alan Flanagan was a uh, was an offensive – I mean, net zero was probably – would probably be the best way to put it. Put it. Like, he, the way he shot the ball last season was rough. And now this year with more opportunities, he blew up on the offensive end. And I think this defense will continue to get better moving forward. And that's another thing to keep in mind. Auburn's defense, the Achilles heel of the season, much like their, much like their turnovers, their defense after giving up 100-plus against LSU, they locked it up down the stretch. And I think you pointed out, like Mississippi State's not a killer team offensively, but Alabama is a top 40 team oh, yeah. on offense and can really light teams up. I don't have much else to add on that front except that it obviously obviously got better and is yet another example of a young team, even in its weakness, getting better instead of packing it up. Mississippi State, like that Ben, ben Howlin, I don't know if State fans are not happy with Ben Howlin right now. Um, yeah. That offense looks really like 1995. Like, To make matters worse, I think uh, old Kermit's figuring something out. Like, I think they've got some nice uh, oh, yeah. players coming in. So just like Auburn fans and Alabama fans, they're always looking over their shoulder going, all right. What's the next year or two going to look like? And if you're a Mississippi State fan, I think you're getting a little bit nervous. State can't shoot threes. They didn't. They didn't shoot threes a ton this year, and they weren't. They weren't good at all from the free throw line. And both of those things that matter came into play yesterday. Yep. Yeah, both of those things came into play yesterday. But yeah, there was a lot of mid range jumpers. There were a lot of. I mean, they've got size and they've got big old dudes. Uh, uh, Abdul Adu, I think, has been playing at Mississippi State for nine years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but when you have guys, when you have guys with that size, you want to you want to build your offense, kind of make it a little bit more post centric. Um, but yeah, I mean, as we said at the under two timeout, or I'm sorry, not the under the under four timeout in the first half, um, Auburn had 22 three point attempts and Mississippi State had one. Uh, in, tw- in 2021, the year of our Lord, that look, man, that crazy. guy is way more about basketball than Connor oh, yeah. does. But that is a weird thing for your team to do. That a hundred percent. Um, but yeah, Auburn, Auburn's defense, 74, 72, 70, and 71 down the stretch for a team that was having a hard time holding dudes under 80 for most of the year to be able to go on that little run towards the end of season against teams like Tennessee, against teams like Florida, against teams like Alabama, three of those four teams are going to be playing in the NCAA tournament very soon. That's, that's progress. Mm -hmm. Um, this is a group that did a better job of staying with their assignment did a better job of protecting the rim down the stretch. Better did a, did a better job of crashing the defensive glass. Um, and also, I think you know this wasn't a this isn't a defensive thing, but they grew, they they crashed the offensive glass really well yesterday against Mississippi State, a team that does a really good job of rebounding. Chris Moore had a great rebound and put back um, in the second half that was that was very crucial for Auburn at, at a key point in the game. And that was big um, in the Tennessee win, yeah. Yeah, it was huge in the Tennessee win, keeping those guys from relying on second chance points and state when state had to rely on first shots in their half court offense wasn't pretty you do that and you take care of the ball don't give them easy looks you're gonna have a good you're having a good chance to win and that's exactly what auburn did so you you saw this defensive progress right you know there was so much talk this season about how auburn's defense was struggling auburn's defense is bad you know they shouldn't be this bad they're so young but that shouldn't be an excuse and it's like yeah they should have shown some growth and improvement as the season goes on it came late. It came late in the year that they were able to turn it on um, because, um, you know, they, they they took some really good teams and, and did not let them kind of run wild after what LSU did. After, I mean, LSU, you know, LSU is one of the best offenses in America. Um, but there's so much of this youth on the defensive end, and I wrote about it in the mailbag on Friday if you're a subscriber. You look at you look at the top defenses in college basketball this year, the vast majority of them are in the top half to the top third nas- uh, nationally in experience. Uh, the only teams that didn't have the same players coming back that are really good on defense from last year to this year were Arkansas and Texas Tech. And what we know about Arkansas is that they got a lot of transfers this season. 
um, and have built – they have experience, just not experience with Arkansas, and they've built a really good team that I think right now is the best team in the SEC, mm-hmm. even though Alabama won the title. Um, Arkansas is playing better basketball at the moment. And then Texas Tech, who not only has been able to build an identity of this is how the this is the kind of defense they play, this is our system under Chris Beard, but they also got some transfers in as well. So, you know, that's going to be the thing moving forward. We saw Auburn run a little bit more pressure down the stretch of the season. I wonder how much that's going to, to jump up. You look at a guy like JT Thor at the top of a press and you think, oh, if He's he gets a, a little bit more experience doing that, oh, yeah. I don't have anything else to add. It's just like obvious to someone like me with an untrained eye that in, in that pressure situation, <laughs> he makes it hard on, on defenses, but go ahead. I'm sorry to, to cut you off. No, you're good. Um, JT Thor, by the way, I mean that first half, that little run he had, it's just when, you know, that's when we were talking about potentially playing with the three, you're trying to figure out how to get him and Smith and Williams all on the floor mm-hmm. at the same time next season. Um, he is, he, he's going to be an absolute nightmare for teams when he gets in this off season, he's going to get bigger, which he has said he wants to get. I mean, this dude led Auburn in rebounding yesterday um, and tied uh, tied with uh, Tolu Smith for the rebound lead in the game yesterday. And as Pearl said, he's given up 40 to 50 pounds against most big men. Um, that's for what it's worth about rebounding that you mentioned a moment ago. Yeah. And with Thor, Auburn out-rebounded Alabama by 12, had two more offensive rebounds, and given that they were minus 16 in the turnover category, I would say that that matters. So it down the stretch, matter. like you said, they did improve uh, in rebounding. State did a better job of rebounding against Auburn on Saturday. Not too surprising. They're one of the sure. few teams in America that were taller than them, and you know they've been really good on both ends of the floor at rebounding, but yet Auburn didn't make it. Auburn made it so there wasn't that much of an advantage. But, yeah, Thor, I mean, just get him bigger if, you know, he's committed to playing down low, if you want to even move him to the five next season and try to figure out where, where that goes from there. I mean, I think a lot of people, if they want to say, hey, what's the what does the starting lineup look like next year that makes the most sense to you, I think a lot of people would go with, with something like a point, whatever whoever the point guard is. Powell back at the two makes a lot of sense there. Um, Flanagan at the three. Jabari Smith at the four. And then Thor, if he can get thicker – at the five, because we can sit, we can see he can rebound, he can play good interior defense. He's a good shot blocker. He's just very skinny, and so these next few weeks are going to be big for him because Auburn gets the week off this week. Pearl and his staff are going to get things together, and then for the five weeks after that, they're going to go full on weightlifting and just get these guys to bulk up, get stronger, get you know even more physical for for this upcoming season. They're going to use that, you know, as an event. They're going to try to take advantage of the fact that they're not playing in the postseason to get that extra time. It is not an ideal spot. You would much rather be playing in the postseason. Pearl said, what's going to happen these next five weeks um, is not as fun as playing basketball, <laughs> but it's it's important. It's important for them to do. Uh, and I think Thor is one of those guys to do that because he he can kill you from deep. He can take you off the dribble. But he also, like I said earlier, can rebound and, and, and protect the rim at a high level, even though he is not as thick and as you know heavy set as some of these guys that he's that he's you know banging with down low. Six um, ten with that kind of wingspan, you're just going to run into some things sometimes where uh, it's just not fair. It's just not fair. And then when he gets on the fast break, I keep saying it. He gets on the fast break, he kind of looks like Giannis, where he'll do that. Like it'll just be these these movements where. You can tell the guy who's guarding him's like, "What am I supposed to do with this?" Like, like it's not. It might not even be the smoothest or cleanest thing in the world. It's just, "Hey, my arms are longer than yours. Good luck." And and uh, you know, taking it, taking to the basket like that. He is going to be a monster if he reach. I, I I'll say it. If he reaches his full potential in an Auburn uniform, and he gets bigger and sure. He's a lottery pick. Yeah, bye bye. That sit- will be it for him next year. If he if he reaches it next season, we appreciate you. And you know, in theory, my hope is that Jabari lives up to the hype. Would love to have him for more than one year, but would also love for him to be a true one and done player. Would love mm-hmm. for Sharif to come back selfishly, also yep. be a lottery pick. And then what you just said at minimum, Thor, I think becomes a first round pick. And if he reaches his potential and has that Chuma Okiki ascension, bye bye. 
Yeah, you're talking about one of the more talented teams, not only in the SEC, but in college basketball next year, if those guys can kind of hit that level. And Alan Flanagan has a potential NBA future. Uh, a guy like Justin Powell has a potential NBA future because there's not very many dudes of his size who can be dead eyes from deep like that on at the guard spot. There's a lot of talent on this team. And, yeah, I just think, I think with Thor – I mean, you're looking at a dude potentially like if Chumo Kiki could made that sophomore jump, you know, and we saw this season Williams and, and Flanagan make make some make some big sophomore jumps, Cambridge as well uh, to an extent. You're going to see a nightmare, and we talked about this earlier in the season. Um, you know, no knock on Sharif Cooper whatsoever when I say this. But when I, you know, this was a conversation I had with my brother earlier in the year, um, and, and I think it's it's even truer. Say what you want about Sharif Cooper. He's going to be an NBA lottery pick, I believe, someday, whether it's this upcoming offseason, which makes a lot of sense, or next offseason um, if he decides to come back for another year. I personally think JT Thor is your better pro prospect on the team just because, you know, Sharif Cooper, size-wise, skill-wise, I mean, there's a lot of really good point guards Try to get it. There are very few six foot ten, you know, plus wingspan kind of guys who can do all the things JT Thor can do on a basketball court. He is one of those rare types that they're even rare in the NBA. Um, and again, if he gets his game fully developed at Auburn, boy howdy, it is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, this is um, where I so. begin, you know, putting the Auburn spin on things for Sharif right. coming back. This is where I'm going, all right, you know, he helped get some of these guys here. He talked openly mm-hmm. about wanting to play with Thor in the past. And we've talked about he's probably, what, the third guard taken this year, given the two guys that are almost certainly going to be taken in front of him. Might still wind up being a top ten pick or might still wind up being a lottery pick, and that may be enough. You know, that's hard to turn down. But this is where yep. I start putting the spin on things and going – you know, he can be a top 10 pick certainly next year. He can garner more attention. He can give himself more exposure. And for what it's worth, I know it's cliche, but like honestly, more branding because the style of basketball he plays is very fun to watch. And I think with a full year and the national spotlight on this team, it would help him in, in a different type of way. You know, I think a lot of people at this point, if you're following college basketball, know who Sharif Cooper is, but I'm not sure that like normal bystanders know who he is, that changes next season. Now, that may not be good enough reason to come back next year. But for me, it's how I'm convincing myself that he is. Yeah, I was having this conversation with some people the other day, and I and I said this. I think the Sharif Cooper decision is closer to 50-50 than a lot of people think it is. Um, because, you know, I mean, yesterday when it was announced, or when it was obvious that he wasn't going to play, there were, you know, several people on Twitter was like, well, that was it. You know, there's, there's just like, you know, he didn't get to play one more game at Auburn. And it's like, he probably will, you know, he probably, I don't say probably, he very well could end up going to the NBA. There's a lot. But you can line up a lot of reasons for him to come back to Auburn. I can list several reasons for him to come back to Auburn where that would make sense for him in a lot of ways. But on the other side, the reason to go to the NBA is you're a lottery pick now. Go <laughs> like yeah, that's a yeah. big one, I mean, right? It outweighs. Like he it, got it, banged up, you know, and like the health isn't a guarantee. Nope, the health is not a guarantee at all. And so there's a lot of talk, you know, when you talk to Jamal Johnson after the game, and you hear Pearl talk about the optimism for next season. They're going to bring, if not all, almost all of this entire roster back next year. And Cooper is the big piece, right? Because he is the point guard. He does so much for this team, and he will be on paper the second most talented player in terms of being a recruit in this, you know, on this team next season with Jabari Smith. There are plenty of reasons to say he comes back. There, there's one big reason to say why he doesn't come back. Who knows which one weighs more? I don't. I think he's going to come to the season. Now, here's what's going to happen. I think. He's going to declare for the NBA draft. Auburn fans, just get it, get ready for that. He, he is going to declare to for a, he is going to declare yeah. for the draft. And 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 I want people to keep in mind, and a lot of Auburn fans, a lot of Auburn basketball fans will be very aware of this, but as you know, other people kind of poke in and start becoming and start looking more of fans of Auburn basketball. Just want to remind everyone 
These guys can declare, and that doesn't mean they are gone. In the NBA, you can declare for the draft, and as long as you don't hire an agent, I think you mm, – I want to be 100% on that. It was if you don't hire an agent. I think they've changed some of the things with agents, but you – Long story short, the, you can go figure out where you probably yes. might get drafted. And if you don't like it, cool, I'll go play another year. Yes, you will get evaluated. Let's keep in mind, Bryce Brown – went into uh, declare for the NBA draft several times in his Auburn career. I believe Jared Harper did as well. That doesn't mean they are gone. So you will see at some point Sharif Cooper declares for the NBA draft more than likely. And that does not mean he is gone and he is done. They will get evaluated. They will have a chance to pull out or stay in the draft moving forward. Last year, Isaac Okoro declares for the NBA draft. A lot of people think, you know what, he's more than likely going to come back. He's not a one-and-done guy. The way that draft class shook out last season and what he heard from teams is like, hey, dude, you're probably a top 10 pick. He goes on, and he makes a great decision because not only was he a top 10 pick, he was a top 5 pick, and he's playing heavy minutes in the NBA. Don't think that's going to be the case for Sharif Cooper next season you know, or if he goes into this draft. I don't think that's going to be the case for him. I don't think he's a top 5 pick. We've said about it before. Cade Cunningham and Jalen Suggs are going to have him beat at the guard, at the, that, that point guard spot already. Then you throw in guys like Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga and – I mean, the list goes on. You know, he, I don't think Sharif Cooper right now, where he is as an as a player, is a dude that plays heavy minutes in the NBA next season. I don't. I just don't think that's him right off the bat. I think it's going to take some time for him to further develop and grow. Some of the stuff, I mean, you can do that at Auburn. You can also do that in the NBA. It's just which one do you want to do? Which one do you want to do? And that's a decision that is totally up to him. I think people who say, oh, it's definitively one way or another, I Again, don't I don't buy think that. he yet knows, to be quite frank. No. He might, but I think some of it will depend on some some information he's going to get over the next few weeks. And so I would imagine that Alan Flanagan declares. I would imagine right. that JT Thor possibly declares as well. And then you wait and you see. And if somebody says the magic words, you come back. Or, or you stay in. And if you don't hear those magic words, you come back. Again, the talk with when you we heard Jamal Johnson say yesterday we're bringing everybody back next season, um, and whether that includes Cooper or not is is you know that'll be up for debate for forever um, until he makes a decision. But yeah, you're gonna you're going to probably see a very very talented Auburn team next year. I think Cooper's the one you're going to stare at the most. Flanagan and Thor. Uh, you know, I'd be very surprised if either of those guys. I think we both see them the as professional prospects, just not this. Oh season. yeah, for sure. You know. What happens next with this team roster-wise is going to be fascinating. And a lot of it, I think, hinges on whether Cooper comes back or not. If Cooper comes back, here's your 13 scholarship spots. You got them all filled. You got every one of them filled at that point because you brought back 11 from last season and you add two. So if Cooper goes, now you have some wiggle room to play with at, at that point. You need to get a point guard. We ran down some options in the mailbag on Friday that kind of made sense. Um, the big one being uh, – the uh, the kid from Pittsburgh who is uh, currently leading the the nation in assist rate before deciding he was going out he's now number three at this point Xavier Johnson out of Pittsburgh is a guy who makes a lot of sense you know if Auburn wanted to go after a point guard he's in he's in the portal now it would be somebody like that more than likely I said what also would make sense I mean Jalen uh, Xavier Johnson is coming from Pittsburgh but like you also look at a guy like Jalen Moore from Oakland or you know some of these some of these dudes that are playing you know who haven't necessarily been in the in the uh, portal yet Jason Preston at Ohio these guys who are really good productive point guards at smaller schools who want to make the jump who want to make the jump because there was a good bit of point guards who went who transferred this past offseason are playing that are guys that um you know, played at small schools and wanted to step up in competition. And because that experience and those heavy minutes translate really well in college basketball, even when you take a step up in competition, I think that's somebody you could look uh, look for look to get as well. Uh, the big example this year has been Carlick Jones at Louisville, um, who was playing at Radford for the last three seasons. I believe he was Big South Player of the Year at one point and has been running the show for Louisville this season. You know, could also get a guy like that. It's going to be fascinating to watch, but I think also the thing here is is that it's going to be patience. You got to have a lot of patience. A lot of our fans are going to be like, "All right, what is what is Sharif doing? What is what are these guys doing?" There's going to be a big push to have that right now. But here's the problem: there's still an entire NCAA tournament left to go, right? And there's an entire 
you know, off season coming up um, where all these decisions start to get made and draft season. I mean, we're still, I mean, the all-star game is, is Sunday night in the NBA. There's, there's a lot of moving parts to, to deal with at this point for guys who are thinking about going to the NBA and uh, it's early. It's very, very early. And we're not going to see this Auburn basketball team play again for another eight months. So it's a long off season and it's going to be a lot uh, between now and then. But like you said, Painter, um, you know, everything starts building towards next season now. And if you're an Auburn fan, look, you got through the rough stuff from this, from this season. Now it's time to be happy and optimistic and look for the future. And I think your excited your excitement can adjust based on who comes back and who stays, or that's the same thing: who comes back and who goes. <laughs> yeah, you know, you mentioned the nine scholarship guys that Auburn was down to compared to next season's deep roster, in particular, if the best case scenario lines up as you're describing, and you get all these potential very legitimate first round prospects back for next year. I've still kind of convinced myself, Ferg, that someone leaves. Not necessarily to go pro, but transfers, because they're doing what's best for them to get more playing time. Now, just like the Cooper decision, we'll just have to wait and see, because I'm predicting something mm-hmm. I truly don't know. But there were some guys already that weren't getting a lot of minutes, and may very well be okay with that. But that situation seemingly does not get better next year, and maybe even after the fact there are a couple of guys that could just be buried on the depth chart. So it's like, what is it that you want, and if you're okay with playing only a handful of minutes on really good teams, well, then I'll be incorrect. And those guys will just stick around because they like where they're at. There's going to be a lot of, uh, I think Pearl said it yesterday. There was a word he used that was, that was really interesting. Um, Everything feels like there's a caveat right now, for sure. He says, as far as the rosters are concerned, you know, there will be moving parts Mm -hmm. because there are unbelievable moving parts in college basketball. We've got several guys who are going to need to get evaluated as where they would go in the draft if they are declared as eligible, if they declared as eligible. And we might have a couple of guys who would declare and see if they can move their way up or not. So there will be some moving parts, and we'll keep you guys informed. Uh, but for the next five weeks, after this week off, we'll we'll be grinding. It won't be as much fun as playing games, I can tell you that. So yeah, the off season begin. I mean, the next season next season begins now, and I think Auburn fans, a lot of people are going to be interested in what Sharif Cooper does. I think you're going to get a lot of excitement next season uh, because of the roster. And by the way, you've also got Jabari Smith. Yeah, he's kind of who, the thing we've 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 not discussed at length here. The obvious thing we've yeah. not yet discussed. He is, I mean, dude, he's putting he on a show just... when it matters most in high school ball down the down the stretch of the state tournament. So. The Georgia State playoffs, he's now in the championship game. Um, his Sandy Creek team is one win away from winning the state title. The other night, he put up a – after putting up a 20-20 stat line, the other night he put up a thir- 30 points, 15 rebounds, three assists, four steals, and six blocks. Very normal thing to do. Very normal for a teenager <laughs> to be able to do, to do that just casually. He may – I mean, he might be the best player next year. Might not be, given what – we think about Thor and Cooper, but the most exciting thing about that is to me, he doesn't have to be the best player in every aspect for Auburn next year. Like that takes a little bit of pressure off of him. And you know what? Mm -hmm. He might, he might be anyway, just given what we're watching him do right now. His game. If you haven't watched Jabari Smith play on, on film, he is kind of a complete offensive weapon. He is a six ten dude who is very comfortable attacking face up, pull up jumpers, you know, that kind of get-your-own-bucket kind of player that Auburn doesn't have a ton of right now. I think Trey Alexander is also another one who has shown on film in high school he's a guy that can kind of get his own shot for himself, uh, which I think will only help Auburn's offense next season Um, because there's a lot of catch-and-shoot dudes and a lot of dudes that are distributors, getting a guy who can kind of do both. Smith is also, when you're 6'10", and you're just naturally gifted in these ways, very good rebounder and an excellent defender as well. Auburn, I don't think Auburn's had a player quite like him. Thor is 6'10 and can kind of do some of everything, but I don't think he I don't think he's quite as comfortable with his jumper and his face-up game as Smith is because I mean this is a dude who is a basketball, a pure basketball product that has been playing this game, you know, his whole life. Thor later arrival in basketball and who has some natural gifts that have, have made him excellent as he continues to develop. Man, I mean Jabari Smith, and you put you see these stat lines he's putting up at a really good classification in Georgia. He is going to be, he's going to be scary to pair up with with Thor next year, or Jalen Williams, or any of these guys. Like it is, 
there's a lot to like about his, about his upside and, um, you know, get ready. And I'm also of the opinion that Trey Alexander is going to be really, really good next year. And I know he's not, he doesn't have the stats and the, and the notoriety right now of a Jabari Smith, but look at his stat lines out in Oklahoma, you know, and, and consider also that a couple of years ago, a guy like Trey Alexander might be the best, pro, uh, best signee Auburn had in the yeah, class. That was what I've, I've tried to reiterate that as well. It's like Auburn fans would have lost their minds three or four years ago about a player like Trey Alexander. And now because of what it is Pearl and the staff are doing with players like Cooper and Jabari, a lot of people sort of think, Oh, that's a nice piece, which is true, but it's also like that guy's a top 100 player and Auburn fans aren't batting an eyelash at it anymore. Nope. Nope. And that's, and that's the great, that's the crazy thing about this, about this team before there's so much talent as well, as we said, when we kind of started this conversation, Someone is going. Some some ones plural who are really really good basketball players who are starter quality basketball players are not going to be starters next season. But that's what you do. You get as I mean, it's it's so much of success in in college sports, especially college college uh, football and college basketball, is talent acquisition. You get your best guys. You get them. You, you get guys, You get the best guys for your system, for your style, for your culture, and you turn them loose. It's why the really good recruiting teams in football are usually the ones that win championships. Um, basketball is a little different because of the the nature of how you know the NBA has has the one and done rule, and you know the NCAA tournament, while fun, is not a good way to determine a champion who the best team is. It's a little different, but still, if you're really really talented, you're gonna go places. Look at a team like Gonzaga this season. Not only did they have a lot of experience, they got some guys that are transfers. Boom, they also got a five-star point guard in Jalen Suggs this year, which they hadn't had in a while. There is a lot of talent on these on these teams, and Auburn is going to be well-equipped uh, to come in. Now, we know that talent doesn't always work out. Look at how Kentucky's played this year. Look at how Duke has played this year. Look at how you know X, Y, and Z has play, have played this year. But I think in a normal offseason, we're going to get closer to that. We're going to get closer to that. And... Um, Painter, I feel like it's a lot more confident that it is going to be a normal offseason because there's been a lot of great strides being made with this with this COVID nineteen vaccine. I mean, we're getting we're getting needles and arms all over the country right now, and that is a really really good sign. And around here in the state of Alabama, numbers of infections and hospitalizations and such are going down at a, at a pretty good rate, and um, that's just great to see because you know walking out of the arena yesterday after the game was like. I hope this is the last live event I cover where it feels this weird, right? Where it feels like the, these limited attendances and it doesn't feel normal and, you know, you're wearing you're wearing your mask all the time and all that. Hopefully, you know, in a few months we'll be talking about something completely different. Yeah, and this is small potatoes compared to everyone's health. But oh, Auburn for sure. Arena has created a very fun environment that is hard for opposing teams to play in, and that mattered to some extent this season. And just in general, these kids and the staff work hard, and they still, I'm sure, enjoyed the games, especially when they got wins in Auburn Arena. But a part of that work is getting to play in front of people. And as you said, it does feel sort of hollow when you don't get that opportunity. So, God willing... Next season, hopefully Auburn Arena is either at or near full capacity. And, you know, back to the place where you've got national and regional commentators talking about it being one of the hardest places in America to play, something I quite frankly never thought would be words that were uttered about Auburn basketball and their home court advantage. 100%. 100%. So hopefully we'll all continue to uh, to get, get those done vaccines, what we need to baby. Get. Yeah, get, get the vaccines when you can get them. Um, Did you see continue. the uh, the tweet uh, that is making the rounds about uh, – it says why I got the vaccine, I think, in Fayetteville, North Carolina, and a bunch of them were my wife made me, and then one of them was so I can go to Chili's? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> People like Chili's, man. Don't sleep on Chili's. I like Chili's. Yeah, whatever your motivation is, as long as you're getting it, we can all get back to doing what we like, which is watching Auburn win some basketball games, baby. And football games, hopefully, here in the near future. Spring practice starting next week. We're excited for that. We'll talk more about that moving forward. Let us wrap up here uh, by taking care of a few things. Appreciate you guys listening. Uh, Painter, tell the folks at home how they can continue to support what we've got going on here at the Auburn Observer. 
you guys had some kind words on social media because I believe yes. uh, Ferg tweeted out a picture, as he just mentioned, as he was leaving. And uh, thank you guys for the kind words. Uh, Ferg has done an exponential amount more work as evidenced nah. by. But nonetheless, the point is, you guys, the response has been excellent. If you are willing, please rate, review, and subscribe. That helps us tremendously. So uh, for the monetary support, thank you for rating, reviewing, and subscribing, for listening, telling people. We can't thank you enough. This is a weird season, um, but you guys showed through listening to the podcast by subscribing to the Auburn Observer, which you can do at auburnobserver.com, $60 a month or $60 a year for is. all of our stories and our premium podcast that happened uh, in our in the midweek. You guys pro- proved with your subscriptions, with your reading, with your interest, with your mailbag questions, with your tweets, that people out here, even in a down season, want dedicated coverage of Auburn mm-hmm. men's basketball. Yeah, we know and that football is the breadwinner, but absolutely. Yes. And it'll always be. Like but the, the basketball thing is not just a niche. Like there's a, It's not a niche. I think there's there's a certain segment of the Auburn fan base that is like really rabid about it, and a lot of people obviously enjoy watching a successful team, but this season, given that it wasn't Auburn's best under Pearl and that it was a weird year and there were times where, you know, I'm, I'm the fan on this podcast and it's like, God, this is just tough to watch. But you guys stuck with that. And that was evident based on all the things Ferg just mentioned about just how much reaction we got. Yeah, I mean, 100%. You guys, even in a down year, Auburn basketball stories that we wrote, Auburn podcasts that we did got almost as many listens, sometimes even exceeding some of the stuff we did during football season. So you guys proved that people want dedicated coverage of Auburn men's basketball, and I can't tell you how much that means to me because it's something that I really enjoy doing. I love covering football as well, but I just have this kind of special connection to basketball as somebody who played it growing up, but also just something I, I really, really enjoy. I feel like I know the game a little bit better than I do in football. I was told at previous spots in my career <laughs> that people didn't really care about it that much and that it wasn't worth our time. Whoop. Well, you guys have proved that it is worth our time, and we're running the show, and we're calling the shots now. We're going to continue to uh, deliver it to you, so appreciate all that. Painter mentioned reviewing on iTunes. If you review on your Apple, remember, we have said it. Leave five stars. A lot of you have left five-star reviews, um, and that is really, really awesome. If you decide to write a review, which also helps us greatly, if you write a review on Apple for a five-star review, you have to talk about how great Painter is. You cannot praise me at all. That's That's not what we're going for. Some of you have followed these instructions really, really well. Our latest addition to this is from CCS4AU, who writes on uh, uh, his Apple review, Justin and the Incomparable Painter. There you go. <laughs> Provide a super breakdown of the week's happenings. Justin gives the stats and analysis, and Painter provides the everyday person's perspective and asks questions I wonder about, too. A great pair and a very enjoyable listen. Paired with Justin's almost daily columns, these podcasts keep you up to date with Auburn football and Auburn basketball. We appreciate your review, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's a good synopsis of what we try to do here on the podcast and what we try to do with our coverage, and man, we got spring football coming up here next week. We're kind of in a limbo week this week, Um, so wanted to kind of get some housekeeping out of the way right here. We will have a, a podcast later in the week, premium show, as we always do. If you subscribe, you will get that uh, as well. I'm going to probably shoot for three stories this week. Uh, not going to do a ton of it. We'll have probably have a Monday story, maybe a Wednesday story, and then the Friday mailbag. I am going to be uh, going out of town for a little bit uh, this week, trying to take advantage of. You're you about know, to this, be a busy boy when spring ball law. starts. Right, got some got some family stuff to take care of, and so I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be on the road for a little bit later in the week. So might not be quite as busy around here. Kind of hit a little bit of a pause, a little bit of a reset moving forward, but we'll still keep you. Um, we'll still keep your. Uh, subscription dollars meaning meaningful here we will be uh, we'll be back later this week yes sir appreciate you guys all the kind words thanks for subscribing thanks for reading thanks for listening uh continue to rate and review and subscribe and support what we've got going on here it means so much to us uh we will talk to y'all later in the week until then painter what we got where are we gonna leave them with warpath baby warpath to an sec championship next season <laughs> <laughs>